And welcome back to another episode of Two Pints of Water and a Packet Away. It's Dan and Matt again with another episode. And today we're going to go over progressive overload. This is something that we've touched on quite a few times, but we're just going to take the next sort of 30 to 40 minutes. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth, what it actually is, how you can program for it, and how you can actually apply it. There's actually more than one way to apply it. And uh, yeah, we're going to discuss it. So Matt, you want to kick us off? What is progressive overload to you? What does it mean? Yeah, so yeah, I think we're best probably starting off explaining what it means first. We've touched on it in other podcasts in the past, but I don't think we've really went into loads of detail with it. Um, So with progressive overload, basically what it is, is when it comes to weight training, it's it's a way of training that allows you to continuously progress, whether that's in strength, whether that's with hypertrophy, gaining muscle tissue, um, even metabolic training to a certain extent, you can apply progressive overload. Um, But what it is, is when you're weight training, as many of you will know already, the weight training itself is a stimulus. The adaptation is what happens to your muscle tissue or your neuromuscular system after. So stimulus to adaptation is is weight training and, uh, and your recovery. And in that adaptation, you end up with more strength, more muscle, or one or the other, sometimes both. Um, Progressive overload is how you constantly achieve this over a long period of time. So when you start weight training, you can pretty much do anything to grow muscle and get stronger because it's it's a fresh new stimulus. In intermediate trainees and advanced trainees, that's not enough anymore. So your simple three sets of eight to 10 just isn't enough anymore. It's a struggle to keep continuously getting stronger. It's a struggle to continuously keep putting on muscle. So you need to be a little bit smarter. So the approach from then on basically needs to be that you need to do more, whether that's a tiny more or a lot more, you need to do a bit more every time you train. That's the concept of progressive workload. So to get into the nitty gritty of what that actually is, I'll just use a a hypothetical example. Let's say you're dumbbell chest pressing 20 kilo dumbbells for three sets of eight. For example, the next time you go in, if you manage the 22s, 22.5s for three sets of eight, that's progressive overload. You're overloading the muscle tissue in order to provide a response, which is growing muscle tissue and getting stronger. If you don't move the weight at all, you can still achieve progressive overload by getting more reps, or you could achieve progressive overload by having a reduced rest period, or On the last set, for example, let's say you do three sets of eight. The next week, you might do three sets of eight, then take 10 seconds after the end of the last set, and then do another one or two. That's progressive overload. You're asking the muscle each time you use it to do more. It's always doing more. Progressively, over a long period of time, that's the best way to add muscle tissue. Yeah, uh, (laughs) that's hit the nail on the head. I guess I don't really need to add on more. I guess as well, like it's kind of in the name. I'll I'll add on a little bit. It's kind of in the name that it's progressively. So it's done slowly over time. That doesn't mean, Matt just pretty much said it's over and above kind of what you're already doing in order to to make the stimulus more. It doesn't mean I'm going to bench press, uh, sorry, dumbbell press 20 kilos for three sets of eight one week and I'm going to come in the next week and try and do 30. It's progressive. It's small, little chip away increments. And he's right, you can add on sort of two, 2.5 kilos uh, onto your set. You can add on repetitions. You can do like a rest at the uh, 20 second rest at the end of your set, add on a couple more reps. You can add on another set. 
you can increase the intensity by um, shortening the rest period. You can increase the frequency of what you're training as well. So if you're doing chest press only once a week and you feel like you want to get better at it, you could still do the same, but you could do it progressively over two sessions. So you can dumbbell chest on the Monday, you can dumbbell chest press on the Thursday. You can also add in probably a like for like another exercise maybe at a slightly different angle if you're doing flat dumbbell uh, press you can do incline dumbbell press it's going to be you know a uh, same sort of area of muscle you're working just at a different angle using slightly different muscles and that's that's the way you progressively do it you, you add in small increments over time i think the, the most mistakes i see with progressive overload is people trying to jump up too quick yeah that's what i was going to say as well yeah People jump up too quick uh, and, uh, you know, right, th this is my issue with it, is that some days your sleep's good, your activity's good, you feel good. So you can go in and you know that, right, today I'm smashing out six reps of a 100 kilo bench press, okay? The following week, you might have had a poor sleep, poor nutrition, you might be feeling mm. under the weather and you go in and you're like, I've had to strip back to 90 kilos because I couldn't do my 100 reps for six. So this then carries on and you go between the cycle of doing 90 to 100, 90 to 100 all the time, and you're not actually progressing past 100. So what we're saying is strip it back, start with the 90 again, then go to 92, then go to 95, then go to 97. And by that time, by the time that you aren't feeling all that great, you can either, if you're already at the 100 again, you won't need to strip it back as much, okay? Um, so yeah, that's the sort of little thing I wanted to add to it. Uh, adjusting volume as well to progress is really important too. Rest time, I don't think is spoken about enough. Um, not so much Matt, because I know he's really, uh, he does the old stopwatch, puts on the stopwatch for the time for his training sessions, but bodybuilders are really notorious, or certainly the ones I know from the gyms I've worked at, are really notorious for doing a big heavy set, and, you know, not even really particularly big and heavy, just like walking about and chatting, and their rest time's too long. It's like three to five minutes long, when really, if you want the intensity to be higher, you shorten the rest time down. That's progressive overload, because you're asking mm -hmm. your muscle to do more in a, or even the same weight really in a shorter amount of time rest yeah yeah 100 agree with everything you just said um going back a little bit to what you said at the start about people pushing up too quickly this is something that i think people need to hear sometimes is that going up too quickly isn't necessarily a good thing so when when it comes to your um your intermediate lifters i think that's the guilty party when it comes to um sort of like trying to cheat themselves so let's say they're getting into their deadlifts and they're, you know, reasonably strong and they find themselves getting stronger each week. It's easy to get excited with that and try and max out. But what you're doing is you're shooting yourself in the foot by trying to max out every week because eventually your body will either just get injured or it will stop having to progress because you're bluttering it and not recovering from it. So what I always say to people is you want to progress on certain lifts and prioritize them with progressive overload. So how you would structure that is let's say you've got 
a three or four day a week training program and your main goals are to go up on the compound lifts. That's what I recommend most clients. Compound lifts are the priority, right? So you're trying to get stronger on squat, bench, deadlift, pull-ups. That's just the easiest example I can think of off the top of my head. So let's say, for example, you're adding two and a half kilos a week to your major lifts. At some point, you're not going to be able to add another two and a half kilos a week. So if you think you can add five or 10 kilos in one week, that's just really shooting yourself in the foot for your future progression. Um, and then let's say you manage to add two and a half kilos every, on average, every other week to your squat. As an intermediate lifter, that is potentially possible. Um, and at some point you're going to plateau. So what I would recommend there in that situation, because a lot of people come to that point eventually, and I think that's probably quite a wide range of dem demographic because a lot of people at some point will hit that point in their training, um, is you need to adjust volume. It's a key thing. So adjusting your volume just means basically you would either taper up and do more of one thing and less of the other. For example, you could do more squats and less of all the accessory stuff that's burning all your energy afterwards, or you could taper right back on the squats, concentrate on perfect execution with a heavy set, and then do a back off set and more accessory work. For example, what I've found works really well for me personally, if I'm doing quite a lot, and I'm feeling pretty run down, I'm not progressing, then I will just cut back my volume. So let's say, hypothetically, I'm doing four sets of squats, three sets of leg press, three sets of walking lunges, hamstring curls, leg extensions. Just, I wouldn't do that workout, but let's just say I was. So if I was plateauing or finding that I wasn't progressing anymore, I'd probably go down to one or two sets of squats, maybe one set of leg extensions at the end of the workout, and maybe keep everything else the same. So I don't have all this junk volume in my program. I'm just focusing on the major compound and that's the priority. That's where I'm going to progress. It's easier both physically and mentally to put your all into those sets. And it's more likely going to allow you to progress because you've got less, you've got less accumulative fatigue from your entire session. If you do that on all your days, your three or four days a week, overall your fatigue is less for that week of training. So when you can manage fatigue, you can progress. If you're overly fatigued, and you accumulate too much over the course of your, your week or your month of training, you simply just won't get stronger. Doing more isn't always better. Doing less, but increasing weight or decreasing um, rest period, like Dan said, or the same weight for more reps, that's progressive overload. But progressive overload doesn't always mean more volume. And a lot of the time to get progressive overload, you actually need to reduce volume at some point. Um, that's not a one size fits all, but that's just a scenario that I see quite a lot with people. And I hear quite a lot um, when it comes to the heavy lifts. At some point, you will have to change something. You can't just follow exactly the same set rep scheme and expect your body to keep responding to it. You've got to, at some point, change that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the go-to answer, sort of kind of what we've both heard or kicking about is, oh, add more volume, add more volume. That's all very fine and well, but, you know, there comes a point where you can't add volume. You're going to get yeah. to a point where your body will just not allow that. I think another thing that's sort of underutilised a lot and what I see a lot in is this kind of goes back to the sort of, I thought you were going to touch on it, but you only said, like, strip back and really execute your form perfectly, but it's the tempo of the lift. Yeah, so yeah I forgot about that. It's definitely underutilised, I th personally, I think, a lot. Um a lot of people are always in a rush to either do the set or just get the weight from A to B as quickly as they can because they think it'll be over. Now, 
I'm a, I'm a pace Nazi. I, I, I'm a tempo Nazi. I will make sure things are usually done. Slow controlled motion, usually on the eccentric part of the, um, the movement. Yep. We know for strength, that's just as important um, as the concentric part. Uh, I will add in uh, like rest pause at the bottom of the movement, um, isometric holds. I'm not 100% massively too big on them, but I do throw them in now and again. But it's just because I want to throw in something differently. I've been training and lifting weights properly since I was 17. So I'm now 30. So you need to think, if I was from the age of 17 years old, always doing the same thing, and just thinking, let's just add volume, let's just add volume. Surely to hell, um, there comes a point where I'm not going to be making any more progress. So even if it is your 100 kilo bench press, right, and you're stuck, you can't add on any more volume, you can't do any more reps. Personally, one thing I would say is I would say strip it back, work on tempo, maybe adding a little pause at the bottom. Uh, and there's so much other things you can add. Banded work chains work um but definitely tempo of actual lifts is really really underutilized in my eyes yeah tempo is a great one definitely to break through a plateau and i think like we've talked about this on other podcasts and i'd say it till i'm blue in the face to clients i don't know how many times in a week i would say to people slow down you're going too fast slow down i feel like it's my most used saying in pt with clients it's like slow down slow down slow down okay go a bit slower you're going too fast. Go slower. I say it so many times in a week. And it's just because people do everything too fast. For you to get stronger, your muscles need to feel a stimulus. And if your muscles don't have enough time under tension, they don't feel the stimulus. So, you're so much on the table. If you're yeah. And, and also from like a safety standpoint, going down slowly on an eccentric and a heavy lift, like a bench press, for example, it gives your muscles a little bit of time to appreciate what's actually on them and yeah. the pressure and the load. Um, one thing I was going to touch on, I, I just forgot to make the point in the last, in the last little, uh, I don't know, what do you call it, paragraph that I had. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was basically when you're trying, I was talking about prioritizing compound lifts, which I think most people need to do when they program for themselves or um, when they're trying to decide what to really focus on in their training. So when you're prioritizing your compound lifts, what a lot of people think is that when you're using the concept of progressive overload, that they're going to progress on everything. Now, that just simply won't happen unless you're an absolute freak of nature. What will usually happen is you'll progress on certain things. Other things will be slower, but they probably will progress. And then some things end your workouts probably won't progress. The reason is, if you take a simple workout, like the leg workout I said earlier, for example, if you're progressing on squats and everything else is exactly the same, Technically speaking, that is still progressive overload on those exercises, because guess what? You're going in, you're doing more on squats every week, every month. So every time you get to that leg press, you're more fatigued than you were before. So if your yeah. weight, let's say you're squatting 150 and your leg press is 300. If you're squatting 150 and then you're at 152.5, 155, and you work up to 160, for example, if you're doing 160 on squats and then leg press and 300, you're more fatigued now doing 300 kilo leg press than you were the last time you did 300 kilo leg press. So technically that's more load on the muscle. That's more stimulus. Therefore you're still going to get adaptation. It's not like you're not doing more just because there's not more weight on, you know, fatigue has a massive impact on whether you're applying progressive overload or not. 
So just bear that in mind that if you're doing like a heavy push session, pull session, whatever it is, that every exercise affects the next exercise. And that's why I said earlier that you should be prioritizing the heavier compound lifts because they give you the most when you apply progressive overload in terms of strength, muscle. Um, the, only, the only negative to that is they give you the most fatigue as well. But that just comes with the territory. Yeah. No, I agree with that. What would you say, or I suppose one thing, let me use this as an example, or this is a scenario. You've got somebody that has plateaued a little bit on squats, let's just say back squats. Their technique is pretty good. I would say uh, about 80% all there, uh, and they're stubborn as hell. Mm. Um, and uh, like a big man ego doesn't want to drop the weight at all but cannot for the love of god add on any more weight uh, and can't do any more reps what would be your sort of advice for him okay it would depend on his um volume for squats so if he was doing like a traditional three or four sets of five reps for example and he was trying to build up strength i would say trim it down do one set of five and then one back off set eight to 10. The eight to 10 is when you're trying to accumulate a little bit more tension. And the five is when you're trying to test your strength. So if you're doing one set of five, it's very low volume. Mentally, you don't need a lot of stimulus to get into that. You know you're only doing one heavy set and your aim is to try and progress. So you're not, you're not hitting a set of five with any fatigue. You're going in totally fresh and that would normally allow them to progress. The back off set allows a bit more tension um, and I would I would probably get them to do a three or four second negative on the back off set just so yeah. they're really jacking up their legs quite a lot. Um, but that would be one thing I would do. Other things that I would maybe look at would be overall fatigue. Like I said before, accumulative fatigue is a big one. So I would say, right, from now on, you're going to take a rest day before you squat and a rest day after you squat. So you're yeah. pretty much creating like a like a perfect scenario for that lift to progress. You're yeah. creating tons of rest. And you've got no fatigue either side. If he's doing bench press the day before squats and he's progressing every time, that's progressively making him more fatigued. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's a constant scale of trying to progress, but accumulate fatigue in a good way and not dig a hole that's too deep. So, um, yeah, take the bench press day out, for example, and then another rest day after squats. So like, for example, that's what I've done in the past. Like, I, I struggled to progress legs for a while in terms of bodybuilding. Um, my strength on legs has always been way better than my in my muscle tissue like advancement so like my strength will happily go up but my muscle gain is always quite slow so what i started doing is resting the day before and the day after legs and that's when i noticed my best like growth spurt so um so that could be another option um and if if you know you're desperate for for success on that lift then do both do do all of it um yeah. another thing could be nutrition um, I know we're not really going to touch on that too much today, but nutrition is another way to help progressive overload. If you're in a calorie surplus, constant progressive overload is much more easily achieved. Um, you know, if you take an advanced lifter, for example, if you're in a calorie deficit, it's quite difficult in an advanced lifter to create progressive overload in a yeah. calorie deficit. A beginner can be in a calorie deficit and progressive overload straight for a year. No problem. Yeah. But a, a, an advanced lifter who's lifting a, a load of weight and has high fatigue from every session they won't manage that. Yeah. No, I agree with that. My go-to would have been do the big set first. Yeah. 
fresh and um, low volume and then uh, do a couple of back off probably two back offsets um working on tempo and possibly something like a pause at the bottom maybe yeah. maybe even going fancy and adding a couple of bands in um or i think uh adding in something maybe not the same day but something under a more safer setting could be something like a hack squat or a leg press um where you could be like if you fail a leg press leg press is so um come on so uh, far with leaps and bounds in terms of like the break and everything like it's never going to squash you now so you can literally load it up to you physically can't push it and all it's going to do is your knees are going to be slightly up towards your head and you'll have to pop your leg out pop the other one out and you're fine um so yeah i probably would add in uh, some form of leg press i prefer hack squat personally um mm. or even a pendulum squat but you don't really see them in uh like mainstream gyms um yeah but you do see hack squats and uh, I can't even think of a gym that doesn't have a leg press. So definitely a leg press. Uh, and you're right, nutrition as well. Sleep and rest would have been my next go-to. Uh, so kind of what you touched on back there, cumulative um, sort of fatigue. I would make sure I'm doing things like um, proper warm-ups as well, I think is really underutilized. Like, if you just go into the gym and you slap on your shoes and you get under a bar and you start trying to squat heavy, it's not going to work. I, I can tell you that hand on heart, you're going to feel like crap. You're probably not actually going to be able to feel all that comfortable sitting in the bottom of the squat. Your hips mm. will be tight. Your ankles will be tight. Your knees won't thank you. You need to get things fired up. Yeah. Okay. So a decent warm up, I think, is um, needed. Doesn't have to be this 50 minute foam rolling band work. Just Your do some light mobility. Yeah, just do some light mobility. Even if you were that bad at doing it, get a bar on your back with no weight and just start doing some light squats. Sit at the bottom, move side to side, do some ankle mobility stuff, do some hip mobility stuff, and then get into it. And I can guarantee the first set won't feel as bad. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think, um, I mean, amongst all those factors we've mentioned, at least one of them could be better for just about anyone, including me, including yeah. me. Um, so you know, if if you manage all those things, you'll be able to progress. I'm yet to meet someone with a genuine strength plateau. Yeah, I don't think there's such thing as a genuine strength plateau. Not at our, not at the less than advanced elite level. Yeah, yeah. People that yeah. say to me things like, "Oh." I just can't push past my back. Dan, I can never get my bench press above 100. And I'm like, right, well, do you do a decent warm-up? Well, no, because I'm, I'm, I'm really, like, strapped for time. And I'm like, well, if bench press is the focus, cut out everything else. Do a decent warm-up. Do your bench press as your main heavy compound. As we said, prioritize compound first. And do a couple of accessories. You don't need to be doing bench press for longer than 10, 15 minutes uh, of your session. Make that the main body of it. Do some accessory work after um, if you literally don't have 40 to 45 minutes to come to the gym, you need to get your priorities straight and you probably don't need to be concentrating on bench press solely then, in, in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, but I agree with that. I think as well, like a lot of the time people say, you know, I can't or I haven't managed to progress, for example, and it's actually just not been long enough yet. 
Uh-huh. Like my general rule of thumb, this is something I've implemented quite recently, actually. My general rule of thumb, both for myself and with like clients who are focusing on strength, is number three, right? So if you, let's take a bench press guy, for example, if he's trying 100 kilos, just for whatever reason, we've chose that number. If he's doing um, three sets of five at 100 and then maybe a back off at 80 for as many reps as possible, um, let's say he says he can't get past 100, for example. It's maybe just a case of, you know, changing one thing. Like we said before, he could change his volume. You could go down to one set, for example. But have you only failed it once? You know, if, if you're saying you can't get past it, how long have you actually been there? Because a lot of the time you say to people, how long have you been there? And they're like, oh, I've been, you know, I've been stuck at it for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, a couple of weeks is nothing. A couple of weeks is literally nothing. Do it again. Get yourself psyched up, go in there again, do it. And if you fail it three times in a row in three consecutive sessions, then change something. But, you know, you could literally just mess up one thing. Like, you know, you could have high cortisol levels from a bad sleep or not sleeping well. You could be stressed out that day and you miss a lift. All of those things have to be in, in good alignment to keep progressing. If you miss a lift one day, that doesn't mean that you're not getting stronger. It just means you're not stronger on that day. Do it the next week under better conditions. If you still don't manage it, try again. If you still don't manage it, then look at changing something. I think a lot of people just think, oh, I've missed a lift today. I need to change our program. No, your program's great. You were just shit today. You know? Yeah. Um, So sometimes you don't need to look too far into it. By all means, if you fail something three times, in my opinion, yeah. Okay, that's that's a a sign telling you that you're you're not doing something right. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Another thing that I was kind of going back to there is you either have an off day or blah, blah, blah. I'm very routined yeah. with the times that I train. So, for example, I'm a lunchtime trainer. Like, I train at lunchtimes because I don't like training in the evening. A, because my gym gets too busy and I can't be bothered trying to fight for equipment. B, um, it's too later on in the day. I feel like my willingness to train goes down the later in the day it gets. I can't train in the morning because I don't feel all that awake. I need to at least have a meal, if not a little bit more in me before I go to the gym and I need to be well hydrated. If I'm training at 12, I at least want a meal and a snack and at least two liters of water in me before I go. So for example, let's let's just stick with the bench press, right? I train religiously at 12 o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, okay? And let's say I was going for my lift, as we've kind of been spoken about, on the Friday. Something comes up. Dan, you have to train at 6 a.m. this week because you're going away. Your flight is at 1, so you need to be at the airport for 12. So your only option is to go to the gym Friday morning. I can almost guarantee you I would be there and I would do it but if I missed it, I know in the back of my mind, I know because it's not a time I train at. It's not a time I like training at. I'll be half asleep. If I have to train at six, it means I have to get up at 4.30 to get in a meal and start drinking some, some water. I'll be grumpy as hell. It won't be a good session. So yeah. it's, it's other things like that. You have to look at the consistency. I'm all about doing tests under the same conditions. Like, I don't really do one RMs, but if I had to, I would do it on the same day, same time, under the same conditions, make sure I got the same amount of sleep the night before, the same amount of meals. Like, I'm 
I personally, I do look that much into things. I'm not saying you do, but one thing is timing. Timing is really important. If you're so used to training at six in the morning and you warm up at six in the morning, perfect. But then if somebody says to you, you need to go and train at eight at night when you've gotten up early, you've worked all day, you've had kids to deal with, dinners, making your own food, stress at work, and you come at eight at night and just go, nah, I'm not feeling it. That's not a bad thing because eight o'clock is not routinely when you train. So anyone that does train and anyone that is wanting consistency with progressive overload, I do think you're missing a trick if you're always changing your sessions. Oh, this week I might train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all at 6 a.m. And then next week I'll do Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday morning. Like, I don't believe in that. That's very random. It's, it's too cluttered for me. I, I would stress out. I don't know about you, but my anxiety would hit the roof. So I think there's a lot to be said for sticking with the same time, same training times. Even You'll even start to like notice that you'll see the same people around you. You'll always get the squat rack at a certain time because you know nobody else uses it. It's like small little minute things like that I think are really important. Yeah, I think creatures of habit like you, I think that definitely does benefit them. Um, the only caveat to that in my head would be like people who do shift work or whatever obviously yeah. don't have that option but they're not included in that in that bunch of people because they they're used to not having a routine if you know what I mean their routine yeah. is no routine so um so I wouldn't include them in that but yeah yeah definitely I mean you've got to find the conditions that work for you and find the training times that work for you um but you know going back to progressive overload progressive overload is quite a simple concept it's not something that's overly complicated it's just making sure that you add the right things in at the right time. So for example, if you're plateauing on a lift and you're doing something that isn't working, knowing when to change it, what to change it. So my advice, like I said earlier, would be three times. If you fail something three times, something should change, something's not right, something definitely isn't working. Then from there, look at your training. Could you take down your volume to maybe try and help break through that strength plateau that you've been struggling with? And then from there, once that works, hopefully you can, you can build up again. And then you can add more volume with that new weight that you've never hit before. And that's going to allow for more stimulus, more adaptation um, to, to progress. But I think it's a lot of the time people understand progressive overload and probably quite a lot of people listening to this will understand it. It's just knowing what and when to apply with progressive overload. Um, so, you know, if anyone has any questions, on the topic or not really sure themselves when to apply something um, or how to apply it in their own program, you know, you can feel free to get in touch with me or Dan, we'll happily help you. Yeah, perfect, right. I think we've rambled on long enough. I think we've got a good lot of content out there. So yeah. as Matt kind of said there, if you ever need to reach us, Instagram, Matt Fraser PT, Dan White PT, simple. Um, ask us there and yeah we look forward to the next episode thanks very much for listening it's another episode of two pints water and a packet away